Hello and welcome to my Caravan Industry Insights podcast. This podcast is for anyone working in the caravan industry, whether you're from a manufacturer, supplier or dealer here in the UK or elsewhere. So listen every week to hear insights, interviews and marketing tips to help keep you and your business more informed and successful. I'm John Rawlings, a journalist and communications expert with a lifelong passion for caravanning and 20 plus years PR and events experience in the car and caravan industries. From starting in the editorial team at Practical Caravan Magazine to working in the press offices at Vauxhall, Volvo and Volkswagen and now in my own business specialising in the caravan industry. In this episode we are looking at, a, well I was going to call it a new magazine but it's had a bit of a redesign. It's a magazine called Adventure, sort of a play on the word adventure and it's focusing on well, I'll, I'll let the let the editor and, and and founder of the magazine tell us a bit more about it. So maybe maybe without further ado, I should introduce Alex, Alexander, and he can explain the magazine and why it's how new it is and what the background to the new magazine. But getting getting a new magazine in this sector is quite exciting. So I was really keen to talk to you. Are you is it Alex or Alexander? I should have asked you that before we started. Alex, I would love to roll with Alexander sometimes, but I, I don't know. I just can't swallow it. So Alex is. Alex is Alex, I've forgotten your surname. Brown. Brown. Alex Brown. Okay, Alex Brown. Alex Brown, hello, and officially welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I know that I know that we've been in communication uh, over quite a long period of time, actually. Wow. And you very kindly sent me a couple of uh, issues of the magazine because I've followed you on social media, mainly LinkedIn, I think, and it looks like a really stylish magazine, slightly different to anything else out there. So first of all, tell us, tell us how long the magazine has been around so the magazine adventure i launched in february 2020 right good timing (laughs) interesting timing exactly i can remember i will never forget that date because obviously it was a month before the whole coronavirus outbreak yeah i was living in barcelona and released at the time the magazine was just a digital and the idea behind that was people going off on their travels could download, you know, this zine onto their iPads or their, their yeah. phones and have something outside of like Instagram or Facebook uh, with longer form stories. So that was the initial idea. And then we all went into lockdown and nobody was traveling. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was sat there with the new product and I was like, oh, and there's no travel now. Right. Yeah. And yeah, in Barcelona, I mean, everybody had it tough, but we were in a full lockdown. You couldn't leave the house, only for two or well, three reasons, hospital, to go shopping, or walk the dog. So kids weren't even allowed out to play. Like, it was a real bizarre time in the city. Quite hard, yeah, for about six weeks, solid. Wow. Wow. Yes, that's hard. Are you still in bar- based in Barcelona? Not anymore. Actually, looking out my window right now, I see it's May. I mean, what, what are we on? Near the end of May. I've got snow-capped mountains out the window. I moved right out to the Pyrenees with my fiancé and our, our toddler um, just before Christmas. So we've been here, what's that, six months now. Nice. Beautiful, beautiful area. But you're really? British, aren't you? I am, yeah. yeah. I'm from the south coast, yeah. By Portsmouth, Southampton. Oh, nice. Yeah, very nice. Cool. So uh, I like the name of the magazine, Adventure. Very, very clever. I've noticed... So, Well, first of all, let's carry on with your story. <clears throat> How did you get through lockdown then? And did the magazine continue? And when did you start printing it? 
Yeah, then I get from lockdown just, we, we went crazy. We had a, a rooftop terrace that we could literally like run around a tiny little pool and I don't know how many laps I would do of that. Just, but yeah, just got through it. But anyway, the magazine, it did, it took off. So I launched it February 2020 to a mailing list that I had built up on just a MailChimp lending webpage to no more than 200 people on an email list and it felt fantastic you know it was completely different to what i was doing before and yeah there were just some people that were interested to download a magazine that i'd created so you're not you're not a trained journalist or haven't you haven't done publishing before this is a completely that's a a bit of a longer story actually going back to i'm going to be 35 in a few weeks but going back to when i was 16 17 i got into kiteboarding in the uk yeah and very quickly I got picked up by sponsors and I was traveling, writing for magazines and working within the press for kiteboarding in the UK. And within a couple of years, I just got through college and then was picked up by a sponsor in the USA oh, wow. and flown out there and I traveled around the USA for a few years. And during that time, actually, I had something in print somewhere in the world every month for about right. two years. Probably. So oh, that's kind of background in magazine work but I, I never formally studied it learned yeah. it any of that I kind of did that very early on right. and that was my intro to media but also like road tricking actually we were traveling around the states on a big 40 foot RV tour bus oh nice was fully wrapped up with stickers and logos for all our sponsors and it's just a real wild time. That sounds it makes fun. Me every time I think back to it, it just sounds like so rock and roll now. Yeah, what a lot of fun though! Wow. So, so fast forward from then to now, what made you start to do this? So it's really the timing on it, as we just said, was, you know, serendipity. I was working in digital video production as a director, producer, cameraman, and it's a big corporate clients which is what i was in barcelona doing so obviously you've got all your banks come in there for seminars big tech companies yeah and i've direct and produced video material for them mostly the internal stuff right that was good it was really highly paid but to win a, a contract in that gig economy is like it just it's really tough and i was starting to realize quickly that that's not going to be sustainable in the long run Right. You know, we wanted to start a family, my partner and I, and I just thought it's just too hard to try and win some contracts here. I've got, I've got to find something else to do uh-huh. um, in yeah. addition to what I was doing. Yeah. Anyway, actually, when the lockdown started, obviously all of that conferences, travel, seminars, what Barcelona, you know, the tech world is doing now, business world, it all just stopped overnight completely. Then all of a sudden, I've got no work. And I just launched the magazine, which was free to download. There were no advertisers, and I had 200 people downloading it. So I was like, Ooh, is this going to be it? Can I basically flip this quickly to turn this into a commercial product? What am I going to do? Because there's no work going on. And actually, the, the scene in Barcelona never really bounced back that quick. I never got a contract again in Barcelona in that um, sphere of work. I had some freelance editing work. But- yeah, I was lucky with the magazine timing. Yeah, it was a very strange time, very stressful. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so during lockdown, the magazine did take off. A lot of people were downloading it. 
obviously because everybody was at home, everybody was really eager. Oh, yes, of course. Everybody hungry to go travel and they couldn't. So they could travel through the magazine, basically. And it was like, oh, since it was good timing. Yes. Okay. So every cloud is a silver lining. Yes. And how, how is this going to be a, a successful venture for you then? If you, I, I can see from the latest edition you've sent me, there's still no advertising in there. So that's, that's unusual for a magazine. There is, it's really minimal though. And that's, ah. that's that you, uh, you miss it. It's basically packaged up in the middle. I mean, uh, obviously oh. subtle. What page? Super subtle. It's uh, when it start this one. It's around the middle each time. So this one starts 36, 37. Um, and what it is actually is contrary to a traditional magazine, I ditched all of the page sizes, preference for front or back of the magazine. You know, it's in a typical magazine, an advertiser might get half page or a full page or a double yeah. page yeah. in the front half, in the back half. And I just didn't want to do anything like that anymore. I really wanted to distance the magazine from everything else that basically is out there, yeah. especially in our, our industry. Yeah. It's 100% independent. You know, I'm calling all the shots. And actually, one of the hardest moves with the magazine was to say to the very small handful of advertisers that I had was, we're going to be doing it my way from now on, on, on the redesign that I did. So I gave everybody two pages. On one side, they get, you know, a small passage of text. And on the other side, they get a picture. That could be a white wall, that could be a brand ambassador, that could be a new product, whatever you want to do it. But you're only going to have that. And everybody's got the same. Yeah, so that was, that's, that's the take on the advertising there anyway. And what the reason behind that was I wanted the advertiser to become part of the storage of content of the magazine. Okay. So it's not a hard sell to the reader, you know, what we're used to in maybe some other magazines. I really wanted the reader to be able to continue reading the magazine and, like you've just said, not actually get hit by an album. Um, I didn't notice at all. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and then say, you know, a few, the few that we've got in there, got on board, asked a few questions, but yeah, understood. With the print magazine, I'm really trying to do something different here. Really? So when, did, is, oh, yeah, when, did, when did you start doing the first print edition? And where yeah. is it distributed? Because it's, is it, you're based in Spain. It's in, yeah. it's in English. Are you mm -hmm. distributing it? Well, obviously, if it's available on... Are you still doing a, still doing a digital version each time? Just stopped it, actually. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to go full print with this in the end, just because the whole experience changed. Right. The first print I introduced was issue four, which the magazine had been publishing for a year. So what are we now? January 21. Mm -hmm. I had a strong social media. The social media exploded. Sorry, the Instagram. Mm -hmm. the first year. And so I put the poll out and I said to everybody, would you be interested in the print magazine, essentially? So issue four had been published as a digital already and people voted yes. So I was like, okay, looked into it all, the costs of getting it to the printer, getting it shipped out or packaged, then shipped out. And the costs were just astronomical. It's like, mm -hmm. how are we going to do this even in Spain? Mm. Because... The magazine is, it was a predominantly British readership, which it still is, but we have readers all over the place. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I put a poll on, on Instagram again and said, look, if you're going to buy it, you know, you're going to pay this much or this much, gave a few options. Um, 
did, did the kind of the back end kind of looking at where I'd get it printed, how I'd get it sent out, and you know, is it going to make any money? And it would just break even really on very small numbers. Print is extremely expensive um, on the indie side of the, the marketplace. So I could print 75 issues, basically, of issue four, and got those pre ordered so that it covered my production, the, the shipping, things like that. So it was actually a test for me to see if I could manage this remotely. Right. And it all went smoothly. So 75 is number and it was like, yeah, that's nothing. Can I, if I can do 75, I could do 750 if the pipeline worked. And it did, it went smooth and everybody picked up a copy and they were like, wow, actually we prefer this to the, the digital offering that you had. Are you going to continue it? And then that was issue four. So issue five come along. It's, it's about a quarterly magazine. This sometimes I slip. It's three issues per year. Yeah, it's three or four issues about that per year. And issue five come along, and the, I put the poll out again on the Instagram, which was floating around 17,000 on market at that time. Wow! And I was like, "Well, okay, and things are getting bigger." Put the back out. Are you going to buy the magazine? Everybody's clicking yes. So I opened a pre-order again before obviously committing to the print. And yeah, the number got bigger. So I printed two more magazines. And um, so this was still running alongside free downloadable digital. Yeah, yeah. So maybe some people downloaded digital and then decided if they would like to buy it in print or not, or maybe some people just prefer the digital or some just wanted to print. So it was a bit confused from kind of what I was offering. Um, and then by the time six come along, that was the summer of 21, correct? And yeah, again, put the poll out for a pre-order, just got bigger each time basically. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, it's a print product. People are enjoying this in print. At that time, the magazine was the small version. It was around 50, I think it's max 60 pages on issue six. The layout was messy. The content wasn't refined. The grading of all the photography and the magazine just wasn't sustained. It was also small. It was around the, tra- well, the travel size, like the size of the National Geographic. Yeah. And the reason for that small size is one cost because yeah, yeah. is super expensive. And two, it could fit in the glove box. So that was my uh, uh, yeah. things. Yeah. But I got sent a copy of another independent magazine, which is uh, a running magazine from the UK called Line for Wind. And the editor had seen what I was doing with my small mags. And he said, Hey, you like what you're doing? And I send you my one. And I got it through the post. And he, I remember pulling this thing out the envelope. And I just got hit by the smell immediately of yeah, the paper. And so I opened it up, and all of a sudden I've got this like glossy, not glossy, sorry, that's completely wrong. This soft touch cover. It's very hard to explain. It's called soft touch matte laminate. Um, open the pages, and it's uncoated paper. You know, the, the images are not saturated, they've like bled into the paper. The paper is textured to it. Like, well, I've never seen this before. I'm used to magazines that, you know, they're, they're glossy, they're thin, they tear when you turn the page, and then they go in the trash. And now I've got this thing that's like basically what we know is a coffee table journal or coffee table magazine. And you want to keep it and put it on your shelf and build a collection. And I was like, whoa, this changes everything. 
that's what Adventure Magazine needs to be. And then from there, everything got more expensive, more complicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah changed changed everything in that moment. But you've got it. You've got exciting news about its distribution in the UK, haven't you? Yeah. So after the redesign, which went out on issue seven, basically the everything changed. I got advertisers involved with the model I told you about. A little bit more money involved. I could print. I had to print more copies, basically, because the magazine was changing from being digitally printed onto an offset printer, so like your traditional, you know, magazine that fill up the shelves and give the news agents. So I did pick up a distributor back then, gone, went global at that time, stocking shops across Europe, but also into the USA as well. Oh, wow. So um, what sort of print run were you on by that stage? That one was 2000. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so you, across the world, I suppose that's, that's going to be not in every shop. Uh, no, definitely not. No, yeah. service specialised. It's definitely independent kind of magazine shops. Yeah. Okay. I love the so, way that this has grown organically. It's a lovely story, isn't it? Honestly, yes, I think yeah. it is. I've not paid a penny for advertising, basically, because I can't afford to. It's completely grassroots. Mm -hmm. It's a community project. I mean, I love, I've, I've known sleeping in the back of my van for the last 15 years. So that's that's where the magazine comes from. It's your passion for the subject matter and the, the road trip side of it. And uh, I can see okay. that you were a very visual person if you've created this magazine. That explains your your background, because it stands out. It is a very much a coffee table type. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, tell us your news about distribution in the UK. You're going to yeah, be... Yeah. Yeah, device. so we're literally just about to, uh, with issue nine, which is the latest one, get on the shelves of none other than WH Smith's back in the UK. Which Excellent. Yeah. Massive milestone. I mean, for sure, that's like, well, that's it. You know, we got there. <laughs> I'm really pleased for you. That's going to up your print run, I presume? Yeah. So, yeah, we did have to print more on this one, find the money. Yeah, it's, it's quite expensive to print. This it all well, sounds a bit scary. So when does it go on sale in Smith's? That will be on May the 29th, Charles. So, yeah, not, not very long. Okay, well, I'm planning to get this episode out on Tuesday the 30th, so it'll be hot off the shelf news, literally. That's a yeah. thing. Yeah, and that's, gonna be just, and that's um, issue number nine, is it? That's correct, yes. So, we got a lovely picture of a T3 synchro on the cover, like driving at night time. It's like a, a long exposure or a yeah. long photography. Yeah. Um, Super colourful, I love it. Yeah, yeah, that is that is cool, and you can tell it's a VW. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I, I could. Well, I'm a bit sad like that, really. Uh, we're all nerds, aren't we? I yeah. think this one as well is like, yeah, it's the one I want anyway. One of these. So you've got a VW California, I believe, haven't you? I do. I've got a T5, yeah, T5 California. I do dream of a T3. Every time I open this magazine project, I get thrown the coolest fans. <laughs> so the con the content in your magazine, how are you creating all that? Obviously, you're not writing the whole thing. You've got some contributors, haven't you? That's correct, yeah. So I do the editorial. We do have some yeah regular story kind of columns going in there that I write. I've got my editor's note, also a couple of stories that I put in every now and then. Yeah. There are more and more contributions coming in now. The magazine is you know, getting to um, circulated a bit more, but I do heavily handpick what goes in there. Sure. Um, so no are you looking for more, or are you, are you going to be? You don't want to be swamped with suggestions, I suppose. You've got quite a particular look and style for the magazine. Yeah, there's 
I'm open. I mean, this is really like fluid operation here. Things change very quickly. Mm. But I think it, it's good. I see things like trends of interest in the online. So I kind of maybe match it to that. This mm-hmm. magazine doesn't follow anything like politically or, you know, I, I'm not faced or even interested in what the latest fan is or really the latest products. This magazine's not that. It's not trying to sell you stuff. Yeah. It's really trying to, you know, entertain people with cool stories and inspire people to... Uh, inspire was go, the word I was going to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah go and get at it, you know, no matter what your budget, basically. Yeah. And that's, 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 yeah. you're just featuring camper vans. Um, does it, do you have any motorhomes creeping in there? Are you purely there back? There were in the earlier ones. So we had to think back now. There were some people that were up in, uh, uh, in Norway doing, yeah, I think, long exposure photography. That one was really cool. There was a couple in Germany that were mountain biking. They, they combined Again, car, I'm sorry, it's a uh, car camp thing I've just introduced in oh, this. Yeah. So the, because I knew it was going to go to W.H. Smith's, and I thought, you know what, the people that are opening this mag dream and have any, like a T3, you know, I, I still am 15, 20 years later. I still don't right. have, because they're expensive. But, yeah. you know, a lot of people got a car already. They're, they're awesome to sleep in. I mean, I had a long, like a, Station wagon in New Zealand, in the state in the state. UK. Yes. I had an, an old Honda estate when I lived in New Zealand. And we just threw our sleeping bags in the back and cooked hot dogs and we got to see New Zealand like that. So, yeah, just it's not really specific on the type of vehicle. I mean, what is in here is very adventure style fans, you know, yeah. but ones that generally got bigger tires or, yeah. you know, roof racks would stuff all over them. But I mean, yeah, it's not it's not like picking on a certain type. It's it's, open, it's more the story. If you come to me with the great story and you drive a motorcycle, I would probably consider putting it in there you know, as part of the the look. So yeah, yeah. So it's open to and photography. You've got great photography in here, so that's obviously a key part of any any story that you feature. Definitely, yeah. That's mm. it. Does start there actually, and it can stop there as well. If it really sorry, it hasn't got some strong photography to go with it. Then, you know, with a magazine, we need some photos. It's not something we could no go and get stock photography for. Um, no, okay. I've spotted an advertorial on page thirty. Of this, yes, yeah. I've spotted it at long last. Okay, Where are we? I've got it. <laughs> Let me just make sure. Um, it's so. Shall I say who it is? Let me, sorry, which page did you jump um, on? Page 30, page 30. Oh, no, 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 sorry. In the magazine, it's page 58. Yeah, let me just... Uh, on, the, on the PDF. Oh, yes. yes, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, so that's an advertorial. We don't actually run many of these. This one was really cool. Roma Batteries, they're uh, a newish company out of the UK. And Steve, the CEO, we've been shaking for years, him and his partner, they... You know, been going out. I think in a motorhome, actually, you know, so they brought that up. They'd be going out to like Chamonix and places like that every winter to do, you know, their ski kind of ski holidays in their van. Mm-hmm. And their batteries are born off the, off the back of that, needing power. Where, you know, unless you plug in, you might not get some sun on your solar for, for a while, <laughs> you know, in the mountains and stuff. So anyway, yeah, let's bring the batteries. You yeah. know, there's also awesome photos with these red ball speed flyers. Yeah. 
Yeah, really cool. Yeah, very cool. Nice. Oh, words by Steve Kennedy, founder of Railway Batteries. Beautiful. Okay, cool. So it's that style of content. In turn, I was just thinking if anyone from the caravan industry was, was listening to this and wanted to reach your audience, they've obviously got to go about it in a completely different way than they would normally in terms Maybe, of the content. Yeah. yeah. I think it's all of this really is, you know, even Steve's story case there is then with their story going out to Chamonix to do this uh, event, um, you know, test their batteries because that's who they are. You know, they, they are skiers, they are adventurers. All the people in this magazine are genuine. This is how they live. Not that whether they live in their van full time or not, but they live to the adventures. So, yeah, really, I mean, that's what I do with the advertising is challenge the brands to find people or stories or connections to the audience of adventure. So it's genuine, mm-hmm. which I think more brands are doing these days. You know, I see some with, you know, brand ambassadors that are actually you know, living the way that they're, they're actually trying to advertise and stuff. And mm-hmm. the story with all of that, you know, the real people at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's cool. Oh, brilliant. Well, I, it is beautiful. The Im- images are very inspirational. And it's just so cool to have something new that's out there. And I like, like the way you're going about it. And what are Thank your you. ambitions for this then? Now it's just getting the word out there, getting more readers, basically. This is just on the, I'm on the edge of my seat, like financially with it. Ooh. It's just covering. Yeah. Which... Then, honestly, and I'm not saying this for a fact, there's absolutely nothing else I would rather be doing. I am, I'm living in Spain. I've, I go out, you know, camper vanning with my partner and our toddler. I've got my own magazine and it's just paying the bills. Now, now it can only get better, the magazine. If more people are aware of it, I think the nature of the mag you have to see it to understand how it's different. You know, like I said, with the, the running magazine that I got, so it's the look and the smell and the feel of the paper. Mm-hmm. And in a, you know, we're in 2023. To say that, you know, we got a print magazine, that's really hard sell, and, you know, when pretty much all this stuff exists online. But it's being packaged up in a different way. And I really, I really just would love to say to people, please go and check it out. And I can now with W.O. Smiths, because until now, like you said, it was very niche in where it was stocked mm-hmm. now it's getting spread out across the uk so people can finally maybe go in go and see it because it's not cheap you know 10 pounds yeah 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 but it's equitable so magazines are, are, are i don't want to use the word expensive but i looked at i don't buy magazines very often i tend to subscribe generally but when you look at them in the show you're suddenly oh yeah actually i've lost touch with what prices of magazines are these days for you know, yeah. big big print magazines like autocar and stuff like that i think that's what i was looking at um, and how many times a year are you planning to to publish this now then so now it is nailed down now, now we've got, got into distribution it's three times a year so it's every four months so the last one had just been released just over a month ago and that's kind of the uh, end of winter, spring kind of content. And then we've got the next one coming out in July. So that's your summer magazine. And then October will follow that. So that's the leading into winter with like the Christmas period. So it is locked into that publishing schedule now, which I'm very happy with. It helps me it down me. That's good. Mm-hmm. Give you, give you yeah. yeah. Bit of a yeah. commitment as well, isn't it? 
And definitely, I, I do this pretty much myself, and it is a big undertaking. Yeah. But again, I love it, but it's yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's well, quite... Those three monthly intervals are going are to whiz by, aren't they? Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, I've, uh, I don't know where we are. It's all around my screen. So it's <laughs> even into it. But I, I don't think you know, Yeah, I used to work on a monthly was a caravan magazine. And yeah, a few years ago now. But yeah, those months go, go very, very quickly. You get a magazine. Monthly, I, a magazine go goes to print, monthly. and you think, oh, a few, and you relax. And then before you know it, you're back. But, but think what it's like for weeklies and, and then to the oh. next. To the next yeah. extent, daily newspapers is it must be pretty hectic. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I can imagine, and I couldn't imagine myself doing it. It's way too hard work. Kind of yeah. Thing. Well, this is a different, a different beast, really, isn't it? So your yeah. your features are, are much. Well how, well, how would you describe them? There's more around an activity, a, a yeah, activity or a, a destination. It's not. It's just. I don't think any of the current magazines should feel threatened by your arrival on the market because it's just so no. different. I, that's it. That's, I think that it's not that they complement each other. It's different. Yeah, um, and I think you're probably going for quite a different audience because this is much more on the back of the van life. Exactly. It is. And you know what? It's it's crazy that nobody else wanted to kind of cover what was going on. It's a massive scene. There has been for a long time now. Mm. Um, all the kind orders, all the runners, all the skiers, skateboarders, the surfers. We're on about millions of people that maybe don't have a van, but they're enabled by their vehicle to go and have their adventures. And we're on about like going back now to the 60s with like climbers in America and oh, you know, yeah. surfers in California yeah. and down in Australia. This isn't And at the moment, we kind of package it up and it's like hashtag van line. But I mean, we had a few stories of people from the 60s, 70s, 80s in previous issues of the magazine. Mm-hmm. This has been going on for like half a century. And Adventure Magazine is a publication wrapping that up and, you know, telling these stories that otherwise are just going untold. Right. It's just that they didn't, they didn't have social media or Instagram back in those days, did they? <laughs> no, not at all. No, but there's, there's some really cool stories out there and the photography that goes with it as well. That's the thing with the magazine is I've really started to value film photography and, you know, people have got these archives of film and, you know, whether they're developed or not, you know, their homes in boxes and stuff. And oh, we yeah. can start tucking into some of that stuff, which we have these now. Oh, it's yeah. fascinating. It's so cool. This this sounds more than a full-time job, if you ask me. And you're not going to be able to carry this on by just by yourself forever, are you? You're going to need some help, surely. I, uh, the, it's really a budget thing. I would love yeah. to get more people involved. At the moment, it is really coming from like a place of love. I spend as much time as I can on this mm. to make it as perfect as what I can make it. Yeah. There's going to be spelling errors in there and grammatical stuff. And, you know, every now and then I make a little caption error or something. But like you, you said, it. Yeah. So much work. I've got to just let a few things go. I would love to get more people involved, but one day, one day, you're doing a, you're one one thing at a time. You're going in the right direction, and you're doing a great a great job. So, so how how can people? You've got a website at Adventure Magazine, so A D V A N T U R E Magazine dot com, and that's the same on Facebook and Instagram. Here I can see. And if anybody wants to contact you directly do you want you want are you comfortable to give out an email address or can i get yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. So basically, yeah, if, if anybody wanted to contact me either through the website as a contact or as editor at adventuremagazine.com. Right. Or for those using social media, I own the channel. So any message comes direct to me. And it's really good community growing actually on Instagram in particular. Yeah. Um, following you for a while. It's, it's gorgeous. Oh, well, let me just finish then. I'm conscious you've got your toddler to feed in about 10 minutes' time. <laughs> and I've got a daughter to pick up from the station. So I, I, said, I sent you over a couple of quick fun, question, fun questions. And I think the first question would be very easy for you to answer. And that would be where in the world would be your sort of dream destination in your, in your camper van? Okay, this is actually a hard question. And I know you'd sent me them before. And I tried to think too much, but it's... It's not going to, maybe it's not that interesting, but I would love to go back to the USA with my own van on my own time again with my girlfriend who's never been over there and our baby and just drive around and enjoy it. I think the national parks there are just stunning, the landscape. Maybe not so much the food. I'm a little bit more conscious of healthy food these days, but being able to travel around the States again, I, I really would love that. I mean, I've seen a lot of the world. I have traveled around the world, but yeah, I'd love to go back to the States with a van for sure. Hopefully it's on the cards, yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah, very good. Very good. I mean, I was talking to someone else recently who wanted to go around America. can't remember who it was now, because I've, I've, I've got, I've got some family over in America, but I've not really been to much of it. I've only been to very limited amount, but the, the state parks and stuff do sound pretty cool. Oh. And w with a van, they do all they do all the wild camping, what the boondocking and stuff. It's quite a big thing, isn't it? They've got the space to do that, haven't they? Yeah, I think it's on BLM land. It's totally quite accepted. Mm -hmm. um, no problems. I mean, obviously, there's sense of rules to keep, you know, places safe, you know, fine and things like this, but I think it's highly tolerated and, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, yes, I would like to do that as well. That's my bucket list. And yeah. then the, the, the next question was, uh, do you have a, anything you'd want to wish for if you had a magic wand for the, I suppose, more camper van side of life? Yeah, I, th I think, actually, the... It would be to reduce the cost of a lot of campsites. Okay, yeah. I, so do you use campsites though, or are you more an off -grid? I am a lot more now, because as there's three of us, oh, yeah. it eliminates a lot of kind of worry, you know, if you, are, if you are wild camping, especially somewhere new or in a foreign country. Yeah. So I appreciate that now. I mean, that's, I think, just growing up a little bit. But we still wild camp below the place. In the, in the winters, for example, you can camp on all the ski resorts around here, so we're you know, we're up there with handfuls of other vans, so it's a nice little community. But yeah, the cost of campsites, I find that quite prohibitive. For a lot of new people coming in as well, yeah, it's expensive. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, I think some some of the places have gone up a lot more recently. Mm. Uh, and then quickly, because I'm very conscious of time now, my last question was, if you had a, your, your barbecue on your, well, now campsite or, or wild camping location, with three three famous people, dead or alive, who who would be your choice? I've got some funny ones. I did have a think about this. I thought you'd have some interesting ones. I'm really not into like politics or, or uh, celebrity culture or anything like that, but yeah. I've got three that genuinely, would, I think, could be a good barbecue, actually. Okay. So we've got... Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wow. I think he is just, a really, he's really articulate. I think he's really interesting. He can hold a good speech. I think he'd just be good fun, you know? And he's into the environment these days, isn't he? And he's quite a healthy living boy. Nice, simply, you know. Yeah. I think to sit around and have a 
have a gym course, a burger with him. Yeah, why not? I yeah. can see him get in and out of a small tent. Imagine <laughs> big old Arnold. I, I think, yeah, well, yeah, really interesting character. Yeah. And then Henry VIII, you know? Wow. I, I've got a new appreciation for kind of the whole monarch thing going on in the UK since a few years. So I've actually moved out of the UK over 10 years ago, and I've only been back a couple of times. And I never followed any of the royal family stuff before, just wasn't interested. But I think having that distance from the UK, where I hadn't grown up, I appreciate that's quite special back in the UK. But anyway, Henry VIII, I, I think, I don't know why, it's just you know, school history. I, if that name stuck in my head, I think it comes from a period of time that is just we can't understand. And, you know, again, for sitting around the fire, he'd probably know what good barbecue food is. Oh my God. Barbecue, but good, like, you know, good for me, good drink. He was probably a bit of a character as well, I would think. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. Gosh, I'm loving this selection. So I can't wait to hear what your third one is. <laughs> it will be, and I think this this one is a bit cliche, I think, for who I am, being an outdoors person. I fly fish. I've done some climbing, I ski a lot, but Yvonne Trunard from Patagonia, I think he is, I'm, I'm not interested in him from the Patagonia side, although I completely respect that. I think he's somebody that spends so much time outdoors and is buying. Okay. Yeah, are, you seen, mean, are you talking about the Patagonia brand? No, the, 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 the owner of it. Yvonne, he's, a, he's not there anymore. He, he just sat down, but uh, he's one of the co-founders of the Patagonia brand. I think he spends so much time outdoors, read a few of his books. He's just got a real nice appreciation for the outdoors world. Yeah. Um, You'd have a lot in tune with each other. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I mean, that's like, I'm getting into flying fishing a bit more these years. And, and, you know, from that, I've seen how much time in his life he's dedicated to that sport. And that takes a lot of patience. There's a lot to learn, for example, flying fishing. Not so much on the skill side, but on understanding nature side, because you're dealing with wild animals, bringing down to the, not just the fish, but the flies, they mimic the entire, which you have got on the river, and that's fascinating. So to speak to somebody that's just been around nature and focused on nature that long, that much time of his life, I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, it does sound interesting. Well, congratulations, you've come up with a very interesting trio of people that no one else has come I up with before. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was good. As I do try and give people a bit, a bit of advance notice on that one, because I like to hear what... I need some notice on that one. Yes, yeah. yeah, really well done. Right, I'm going to let you go. I've got to go as well. But thank you very much for that. Really good luck with the magazine. I, I will hope this helps sell a few more copies and people rush into Smith's next week to, to, to get a copy. And we'll stay in touch. Yeah, excellent. And yeah, let me know when your copy arrives. I'm sorry it didn't get there in time for our, our call. Well, I'm looking forward to it even, even more now, but thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Alex. Cheers. Perfect. Thanks, John. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it and would really appreciate it if you could share it with as many people as possible. Even better, please give me a five-star review in iTunes. It'd be a great help. If you'd like me to interview you, want to suggest someone to interview, or interested in sponsoring this podcast, or want to get in touch with me for any reason, please drop me a line at john at rawlingscommunications.com or message me on Instagram at rawlings underscore comms. Thanks very much. Bye for now.